Welcome to the Crushing Cashflow Podcast, where we share phenomenal advice and dozens of decades of wisdom from investors and entrepreneurs of all types and all stages of their journeys. We'll cover many forms of cash flowing assets, such as real estate, stock investing, entrepreneurship, and general finance guidance. Listen in and learn from those who are crushing it out there, as well as those who have been crushed by business or their investments. Now here's your host, Andrew Shutsky. Welcome to Crushing Cashflow, everybody. Uh, I'm your host, Andrew Shutsky, and with me today is Cameron Roy. So here's a little bit about Cammy and his background before we get started. Uh, he's got a unique background, and I, I love his passion, his energy. So, so Cam just got into the multifamily syndication space. He's in a really, really hot market down in Dallas, Texas, super competitive, and recently partnered on his first deal right after quitting his, his, his full-time job to focus on real estate. Uh, his sense, like I mentioned earlier, his sense of purpose and passion is unbelievable. And I'm really excited to have him join and uh, share his story with all of you guys. So so welcome to the show, man. Thanks for joining. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. I think you give me too much credit. No, it's all good. It's all good. It's all it's all about sharing inspiration and your story. So <laughs> let's get, let's dig right in. Let's, let's talk about your background and how you got to where you are. What got you into real estate? Let's go back to your purpose. Yeah. So what got me into real estate was um, a few things. One of them was um, I graduated from Texas Tech University, Reckham, in 2015. I moved to Denver, Colorado for seminary for a year. And my wife and I would just started dating, but she was back in Lubbock. And so I was like, the long distance thing just wasn't working for us. Mm -hmm. So I moved back to Lubbock while she was finishing nursing school. A friend of mine called one day and said, hey, my, I want you to come work with my dad and I, and I've always been a manual labor guy. I grew up in West Texas, farmers, cotton fields, oil field workers, granddad, and work. stable. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I, yeah, I grew up working with my hands. And so I said, yeah, I'd love to be Chip Gaines of Lubbock. So let's flip houses with your dad. And so I was more the manual labor, but I, I loved it. And when my wife and I got married a year later, moved to Dallas, I wanted to continue in that line of work, but I couldn't because I didn't, I was young, newly married, broke as a joke needed a job and didn't know anything about the Dallas real estate market. So I took a corporate job. Um, and then in 2018, my grandfather passed away. He was my hero and he had some real estate and that opened my eyes up to multiple streams of income. And he was a pretty successful businessman, started a, a manufacturing fan company for cotton gins. And um, just that entrepreneurial spirit was in me. And so I read the cash flow quadrant in December of 2018, okay. after I got my hands on it in Barnes and Noble, and that just opened my eyes up to multifamily. I read Multifamily Millions by David Lindhall, and then realized, oh, it, you know, I consider myself a nobody could go out and buy apartment complexes. This rocks. Let's learn more. So that's kind of how I got my toes into the real estate world because no one's teaching it. I mean, formally, it, it always seems to start with education, right? It's, it's until you're you got that sense of awareness uh, of what what you could what your life could be and what passive streams of income mm -hmm. could potentially happen. That's where it seems to start for all, for most people. So, what were you doing in your W two at that point? What was your job? Was there any carryover to real estate, or is this completely different? Uh, completely different. I was uh, I worked for a company. We sold commercial uh, office furniture, so. Um, nice active office furniture. Think about like standing desks and yeah. that kind of environment. <laughs> I so was completely unrelated. <laughs> yeah. But it was amazing because I learned how to sell. I had, I think I had a salesman's personality. Yeah. I just didn't know how to formally yeah. sell. And that job taught me how to 
how to sell. And so I'm thankful for it. Nice. So at what point were you looking at real estate the entire time you're in that position or at what point were you were like, okay, I want to start looking at this in the background? Yeah. So I started working that job in July of 2017. That's when my wife and I got into Dallas and I got that job. And when my grandfather passed away, it was a year later. And so December 2018 is when I picked up the cash flow quadrant. It'd be about a year and a half of working that job. And I was all in. I was like, I love this company. I love the people. I love yeah. the corporate ladder. Like I want to be the CEO of this place someday and um, was trying for that. And then um, I started getting the real estate bug. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I started really increasing my love for multifamily real estate the more I was learning. And that was taking my mind off of like executing mm -hmm. my job with perfection or, you know, excellence. I'm no one's perfect except the Lord, but just crushing it. And so I was like, I, want, I really like this real estate stuff. This is awesome. And, and at one point you decided, I want to go all in. Do you remember that day? What takes you back? <laughs> 100%. So I committed to going all in after I read uh, Multifamily Millions by David Lindhall. That's when I realized like, I can do this. I, mm. I need to learn more. And it's like, you know, I knew where I wanted to be. I had no clue how I wanted to get or how I could get there. I didn't know what the word syndication was, a T12, how to underwrite. I didn't know anything. I know how to sell office furniture. Um, and so that's when all, I went all in. So in late fall of 2019, I hired a mentor. Um, we both know him. The Dex, Todd Dexheimer. Shout out. Great, great man and great coach. The man, the um, man, the legend. Uh, yeah. <laughs> got that uh, Northern accent. Mm-hmm. Um, and just submitted to his teaching and, and, and everything he taught me how to do, I was just learning and writing down and executing on and just not buying properties, but almost just like I was back in college, just, but Todd was my professor and I was learning. And then, um, yeah. And then the big quit came. <laughs> so what was, what was going through your mind? Were you, were you kind of super nervous? Were you excited? What did your wife say? I'm just curious. Like, I mean, there's many people in the background listening, thinking, you know, maybe, maybe I'll do this, but what was going through your head? <laughs> So much excitement. Yeah. I mean, just so much excitement. You know, like the college I graduated from, I didn't get accepted to. The GPA required to get in the business school is the GPA I graduated with. I was nobody special, but I was mm -hmm. committed and convinced through learning and, and reading a few books that I could buy apartment complexes. And I didn't have to be anybody special. I just had to learn and then execute. And so I was just stoked because I was like, I can learn and I can execute. So I can do this and I will do this. So you so went all just, in, you said, your boss, in. <laughs> you said your boss, I'm out. Well, I'm doing, I'm doing this thing. I'm going all in. Uh, no, I, no, it wasn't like that. I, I didn't actually, so I, I quit my W2 job in February of 2020, almost a year ago. Okay. And I quit it with the intention to do something else. I just was discontent there and, and, and felt like I had, you know, something else I wanted to do while I was exploring this multifamily thing. But I quit and realized with my wife and the community, like, hey, we've been pretty good stewards of our money. Um, we could really live without my income for a while. Yeah. So why don't we just take a risk? Why don't we just let me go all in, mm -hmm. spend every waking hour in the week, focus on multifamily instead of whenever I have time in the evenings or during lunch or on the weekends and see what we can do. And we gave ourselves a timeline and uh, here we are. <laughs> And, and it seems time. like it seems like it paid off, right? So, you, you know, within several months, you, you found your first deal, right? Yeah, we closed in October. We put it under contract in July. It's a 120-unit deal in North Dallas here. We 
partnered with some phenomenal guys who I love and trust um, with all my heart now. And I realized along the way, like, Hey, no broker is going to give me a good deal. I don't have a track record yep. and um, multifamily is a team sport. So I, you know, I was, I figured out quickly there's guys who are getting deals and they're asking other people to bring on capital. So if I can't mm-hmm. bring them a deal, why don't I just go in and focus on raising capital? And that's what I did. I partnered with these guys and um, we were just aligning interests, integrity, morals, and values and did it together. And um, I was able to execute my first deal by partnering with these guys who have the track record, had the ability to get the deal from the broker and close and um, be able to sign on the loan. So that's how I did it. So how did you find those partners? How did you get yourself your name out there and get away from that? Hey, nobody knows me, the obscurity phase. How did you get, Hey, I'm Cam Roy. I'm ready to get after this and you can trust me. How did you break that barrier? Yeah. So I went all in man on social media. Um, the power of the social media world is very powerful. And I've learned that this year and just, and just the key, Mm -hmm. the key is consistency. So consistently posting, consistently saying, you know, in a, in a COVID world, yes to the Zoom meetups, yes to the Zoom happy hours, um, and yes to a mastermind. Uh, I joined a mastermind as well, met some great people. St- I mean, I'm still part of it. They're phenomenal people I consider good friends. And and so it was just through all these, yep, yep, sign me up. I'll be there. I'd love to be there. And just putting myself out there all the time as a young guy who quit his job is trying to buy apartment complexes, people started taking me seriously and, and didn't see me as somebody who's wishy-washy and has the golden handcuffs. I had no handcuffs. That's fantastic. So, you know, what, what advice would you give someone in your shoes a year prior, right? What, what would you do differently or what would you tell them to do the same? Yeah. A few things I did differently. One is, um, you know, don't put the cart before the horse and don't count your chickens before the hatch. You know, it's very easy to get excited in this world, especially when you're talking to potential investors who could write you 50, 100, $150, $200,000 checks. And then when it's time to close and raise capital, they just ignore your calls. Yeah. It's like, what? You were banking on that. You were sure you could raise X amount because you were counting on that 200K and they just yep. never answered. And so, you know, that, but also go all in. Like you, it, you going all in doesn't have to look like me going all in. Maybe you can't quit your job. I, I could, so I did. Um, maybe you can't pay for a mastermind. What are the things that you can do? Can you wake up an hour earlier? Can you read different kinds of books? Can you reach out to people on LinkedIn, Facebook, and try to pick their brain for 30 minutes to get some guidance? You know, it, find the things you can do and then execute on them. I understand, like, I was in a pre- pretty privileged position. Like, I was able to leave my job and, and it would not be a financial burden on my home. Not everybody can do that. Sure. And I understand that, but sure. find what you can do and do it. Like these small, consistent actions of doing what you can will pay off, but you have to give yourself patience and consistency. Yeah, that's great advice. And you hear that over and over and over again. I was just at a summit last weekend and that was probably the number one theme was consistency taken massive action. You hear it again and again and again, and, and clearly because it works, right? Yeah. Well, people think that massive action is these big one-time cannonballs when they don't realize that a bunch of singles added up is the same as a home run. Yeah. Focus on the singles, you know, get to first base and then make sure you get to second, you know, like massive action that I, I found in this last year of my life is me doing a bunch of little things that I don't feel like doing. <laughs> But making sure I'm doing them, following up, interviews, meetings, t- 
talking to people, taking people to lunch, showing up, yep. asking questions, sending emails. I mean, ugh, it's all the little things, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to go back to how you got into that deal, right? You mentioned you raised capital. That seems to be a very common way. First time, second time, third time syndicators. You know, how, how did you kind of start that process? Did you work with friends and family? Did you snowball from there? Or did you start to put together your brand? Walk us through that for a minute. Yeah. So I figured when we first got into this, I thought, okay, it'll be my friends and family who give me money. And that wasn't the case. And so what I had been doing all this time is keeping a storehouse of contacts I'd been meeting through reaching out in social media and happy hours and events and conferences. And then just, you know, now that I had substantial relationship with them to fulfill SEC regulations in a lot of these cases, especially if you're um, doing uh, 506Bs, well, then, you know, I just made him an offer. And, and, and the beautiful thing about this deal for me, and I, I advise first-time syndicators, like partner with people who can get the deal, close on it, is I could put confidence in my investors that they're not taking a, sh- a huge risk on Cam's first deal. It's like, yep. this is the sponsor team. I'm a part of it. This is their track record. And you, and he, you can vet them and vet me, but you're not just betting on me like some broker is going to give me a $10 million deal whenever I don't even own my own home. I live in a rent. Yeah. Like, yeah. Very, okay. very fair. So when you start easy to go ahead, I was saying it's just easy to pitch that off to your investors. Like, Hey, I want you to be invested in me and this is a great deal. I want you to know about the sponsor team. Cause these guys are pros and here's what they've done and here's what they're going to do. And they've allowed me to bring my investor capital, to this deal and be a part of it. That's great. So, when you mentioned not counting your chickens for the house, did you start with a number in mind and try to raise a little bit above that? Or what was your lesson learned there? You alluded to that earlier. Let's dig in a little bit further. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't know how much capital I'd be able to raise. I, I didn't know at all. Um, you know, I was in tis- part of me thought $0 part of me thought, you know what? I, I could probably squeeze a million bucks out. You know, I, I know enough people in this space who've got millions of dollars and this yep. is a phenomenal deal. Yeah. Um, and so whenever, when I say not counting your chickens before your hatch, you know, you've got those people in your mind that you've had the most substantial conversations with and they're in your head as like the rock, like, Oh, they're going to, they're going to send me hundred K tomorrow. No problem. And then a call, then a text, then an email, then a follow up call, text, email. It's just like, where'd you go? We had such great conversation and, uh, I was banking on you being one of my investors, but that's okay. You know, because you know, one of the, one of the greatest lessons for investors to learn is the sense of urgency when deals become available and telling them no, because we're fully funded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very, very real reality. So, you know, back to the landscape for you guys, what are you exclusively looking in the South? Are you looking only in Dallas? What markets are you dabbling in now? Yeah, I love, I mean, I love all of Texas. I'm from West Texas and uh, I love that area. Lubbock, Amarillo. I just know those markets well. And I know Dallas now as well. Um, I've also been looking and exploring um, some opportunities in San Antonio. It seems to be like a great market growing, very stable. Um, And over the past year, I've had peaked interest in Kansas City. Um, I just had a buddy who introduced me to it. So I've looked in that area as well. But right now, majority of things I'm looking for are going to be in those areas. Major no, it, metropolitans it, in Dallas and then Kansas City. It'd probably be an understatement to say that the market's uber competitive in the Dallas area. So have you guys <laughs> found it difficult to find deals, et cetera? 
Uh, no, I mean, not really. When you, you know, that's the thing with me is I've decided I'm going to utilize these great relationships I've built and just partner with them for now until I can fully execute a deal on my own as mm-hmm. a lead sponsor and taking down something with the team I've built, just us. Um, and so like, you know, I'm tied to their hip and we're, we're, we're getting to underwrite deals every week um, and look for good opportunities to execute on. Now, good deals are hard to find right now, um, but we're still getting them sent to us and able to look and underwrite and explore options. Sure. Sure. So say what someone's interested in investing, you know, they're a traditional nine to five W2 worker. They've got a 401k. What steps should they take to go from our 401k to get into investing passively? What would be your recommendation? Yeah. The first thing you need to do is commit that you're going to go from a W2 person to becoming a real estate investor. If you just, if you determine, I mean, I'm such a big believer in like a mindset, how it can impact your life. If you think I'll do W2 and I'll dip my toes in um, multifamily real estate or real estate of any kind until, you know, it works out or things start clicking. You, I would bet you will stay in that W2 for the rest of your life and you'll never experience the freedom that real estate can provide. So one is determining that you're going to do it um, and there's no option. And two, educate, like education crushes limiting beliefs. Like when I would drive by an apartment complex and if somebody was to ask me who owns that, I'd be like, oh, Wall Street probably. I don't know. Yeah. An oil field guru. I, I don't know. Some people, banks. Right. And then I learned how people buy apartment complexes. And then I figured, oh, guys like me own that. Guys like me. Absolutely. So learn. Submit yourself some education. So you mentioned quite a few concepts, which I took some great notes here. I want to unpack that a bit. You know, number one is consistency is key. Keep after it, keep after it. Even if you're not seeing huge results. Next thing was join anything you can to keep the progress going. If the mastermind is your thing, or if you've got meetup groups, et cetera, I think that's also huge. You know, a big part of that's education. And I like what you said, and it sums it up in three, you know, really easy to follow words is go all in. And that, that could mean different things <laughs> to different people. And it's all about, you also 100%. said, what can you do? Right. And everybody's definition is a little bit different. Everybody's time limitations, financial situations different, but I, go all in sums it up in three simple words <laughs> for me. You yeah, also, I ahead. have a friend. Oh, sorry. I, I quickly, I have a friend who does this syndicates and he is a father to six and a full-time truck driver. He can't do all the things I can just because time is limiting. But you know what he doesn't say? He doesn't look at me or anyone else who have me, m- more time than him and say, oh, I can't do that because mm-hmm. weekends are busy with kids' soccer games and you know I've got a shuttle around the country driving this freight. He just thinks, what can I do? Maybe that's one thing a week. I'm, I'm making sure to do that one thing a week. Nothing's getting away. And it often seems like everybody underestimates what they really can do. I mean, you just, you gave a great example. Of course. I have a buddy who's, you know, a father of four. He's a cop, works 50 plus hours a week. He's got, you know, personal situations going on. He just got his brokerage license. And the first few months has already sold a million dollars of properties, buying his own investment property. He just, (laughs) he's just another great example. And he's going to be on the show here in a few episodes. So stay tuned for that. But it just yeah. goes to show you, don't sell yourself short, right? I mean, it just, it can't be understated. It can't be emphasized enough. Yeah. I mean, people, you don't really know what you're capable of until you're, you know, like 
you really just go all in and you force yours. Like me, I forced myself. I quit, quit my job. I'd burn the boats. Like I didn't have that income anymore. It's like, I got to find a way to make money in this industry. Now I'm in it and uh, nothing else is supplying the dough. And uh, I learned what I was capable of. And it was a lot of small things. You know, I was, I learned that I was able to time block and I learned that I was able to be efficient with management and emails and phone calls and zoom meetings and mm-hmm. um, all the small things that you have to take care of that no one ever glorifies because it's not glorifying but it's stuff that is necessary. You'll find a way, like you said. Yeah. One of the key thing I wrote down here that I thought was really, really powerful was education way out Trump's beliefs. And it's just a matter of the more you educate yourself. I found that to be the case massively in the last couple of years, more, more you educate, more your relief system can change. Right. And the more you realize oh, I can actually do this thing. So that's really great. So thanks for sharing your story with us. Really appreciate your time. One last question for you. How can listeners get in contact with you? What's the best way? The best way to get in touch with me is to just reach out to me on Facebook or LinkedIn. You can look me up as Cameron Roy. I'm happy to talk to you or meet with you. If you really want to get in touch with me and you, you want to schedule a meeting, um, I'll give you my personal email address, but don't spam me. It's Cam Roy, C-A-M-R-O-Y, one zero nine at gmail.com. That's my non-spam email. That's my non-work email. If you want to reach out and have a chat or whatever, email me there and I will respond. That's perfect. Thanks so much, Cam. Appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, thank you. It was fun. Appreciate it. Have me on anytime. I'd love to. I love talking real estate. Look forward to it. Thanks for listening in with us for another episode of the Crushing Cashflow Podcast. We have a small favor to ask of all of our listeners. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Each subscription and rating will help us massively toward our goal of helping reach as many listeners as possible each week. Thank you very much once again for listening. We're thrilled to have you with us as part of this journey, and we can't wait to share more of these stories with you. Stay tuned for much more to come.